It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today we're continuing our series, Why Cancer Needs Engineering. Our guest is Stephen Bopart. Professor Bopart has an electrical and bioengineering degree from the University of Illinois, a PhD from MIT in electrical and medical engineering, and an MD from Harvard, and his uh, expertise is in family medicine. He is Abel Bliss Professor of Engineering in Electrical and Computer Engineering, Bioengineering and Medicine, and the head of the Biophotonics Imaging Laboratory at the Beckman Institute for Advanced Science and Technology. Professor Bopart, welcome to the program. Thank you, much. Glad to be here. Well, we are uh, uh, recording this in what uh, call the doctor's office of the future, so I would be remiss if we didn't touch on that a little bit uh, to get started. Sure. Just talk about um, what you see as, as the future, what the doctor's office will look like, and how uh, some of the, the projects you're working mm -hmm. on will fit in to what the, that will look like in the future. Sure, sure. Happy to do that. So I think, I think the doctor's office and all of medicine is going to change dramatically in the next 10 years or so. As we see more and more technology and engineering being used to address some of the major challenges that they face in, in medicine and surgery. So we built this, this doctor's office of the future as one example of those of how we can think about how technology would be integrated into that patient-doctor experience or encounter. Particularly this, what happens is, is in these types of outpatient offices, the doctor interacts with the patient and uses pretty crude tools to assess or detect disease and, and diagnose. Uh, maybe they use their senses or an otoscope to look in the ear or a thalmoscope to look in the eye. But these systems are pretty basic. And so if we want to improve our detection of disease, catch disease early, we really think we have to advance the technology at the front line. And that's what we've been doing. So it's called point of care technology where we advance our imaging capabilities to detect ear infections more clearly or more accurately. We're also detecting at the point of care cancer in the operating room. So with there, we use a technology that when the surgeon removes a, a breast mass, for instance, we can actually image the surface or the, the margin of that breast mass to determine if all the tumor cells were removed. And obviously, if they don't remove those, that's very important and, you know, for the health and, and prognosis of the patient. But surprisingly, about one out of three women have to have reoperations for breast cancer because tumor cells are left behind. And currently, we only look at the tissue microscopically in the pathology lab days later. And so this is a technology, one technology we've developed is called optical coherence tomography. And what we do then is we give essentially the microscope to the surgeon. So the surgeon can, can move this probe around the tissue and look for those cells and be able to identify cells in the operating room and then of course intervene right then and there instead of having to, the patient to come back for a reoperation. So training for physicians in that, uh, do you find that physicians are trained to be able to use those uh, instruments or is that going to require additional training? Well, I think there will be more training as new technology and new methods and procedures are, are implemented. But, you know, I think we're becoming a very technology savvy uh, community and, and society. And so the new medical students that we're training, the residents, they're really adept, uh, adept to using technology in different ways, to so looking at images, to using smartphone technologies, and these technologies are all going to permeate into medicine in the future as well. Well, you talked about the treatment and making sure that you, you get all the uh, cancer tissue, but I'm intrigued with what you've been able to um, do in terms of diagnostics, being able to further out be able to detect 
potential uh, risk factors in t when, it turns, uh, when it comes to cancer. Can you just talk about that technology? Sure, yeah. Some of our technology, as you were referring to, uh, OCT is something we use in the operating room to look for those, those residual tumor cells. But we've also been using some other optical imaging techniques. These are nonlinear techniques that tell us something about the molecular composition or the functional metabolic changes of the cells that are going on, not just in the tumor, but in the tumor microenvironment. So the whole environment that surrounds the tumor changes because of the presence of that tumor. And that's what we're trying to detect. In fact, it's, it's, it's I think, quite an eye-opener to realize that when a tumor begins, it sends out signals to the rest of the body to start changing its metabolism and its, its uh, uh, molecular uh, composition and those are changes we're trying to detect. Those are early changes but also tells us how aggressive that cancer may be, perhaps even where that tumor might be uh, might be growing and might be spreading to. So would these be tests that you would have on your regular doctor visit or would there be some other fa risk factors, uh, extenuating factors that you would have to be able to get these kinds of tests. Yeah, yeah. So we think that this is going to evolve over the next decade or so. So right now we're looking at tissue in the operating room and trying to prove that this imaging can tell us something more about the tumor that's that, that's there. But we also realize that these tumor cells send out signaling molecules or packages that are called microvesicles or exosomes. And these get, get spread out very early in the disease. We think these show up in blood, in urine samples as well and they might be detectable even at that stage. So a simple blood test or a urine test you know, with some imaging of these, these signaling molecules might tell us something about what's going on in the body elsewhere. Well, you have at least a couple startups that are related to cancer treatment. Can you, can you talk about each one of those and what specific technology you're talking about? Yeah, so I've, I've actually been fortunate to, to be a part of three startup companies. One when I started when I was in graduate school, and, and that really has progressed. It's using this OCT technology uh, in a catheter-type form, so you could actually look inside the body. And it's mostly used now for cardiovascular imaging to detect heart disease and, and uh, the, the, the placement of stents for, for coronary artery disease. Uh, my second company, which I founded here at Illinois, uh, Diagnostic Photonics, is a company that is developing this interoperative OCT platform, again, to look for residual tumor cells or the extent of that cancer in, in a patient. And that, that company is doing well. It's, it's actually looking at multi-institutional trials uh, currently. Then the third company is Photonicare, and that is more related to this OCT imaging in the ear. And this is a, a different segment of the population because it's really primary care, it's the, the front line. But the same technology can also be used for imaging the skin, for imaging for oral cancer, uh, skin cancer, other disorders that a primary care physician generally looks at. We've also been very fortunate to team up with industry and form a GlaxoSmithKline Center for Optical Molecular Imaging. Now, when GSK approached us, they were very interested in our advanced imaging. And we see this as another way of translating our technologies out to you know, the greater good. Now, with this center, our interest is using imaging to look at drug discovery and distribution, even in cancer. So there's a, a lot of interest in immuno-oncology, trying to understand where the disease is spreading to, how we can image the, the effects of drugs at early stages, at molecular changes, instead of waiting weeks to see if a drug is effective. And I would guess these drugs can be administered right where it needs to be as opposed to having to go through the system. It can be 
you know, uh, released right at the point where uh, it needs to have treatment. Yeah, I think we'll see more and more advancement of, of pharmacotherapy as well. Uh, because certainly in the past there would be a, a drug that's, that's really given that we know in the general population is effective, but on the individual level, we don't know how that drug interacts with that individual person based on their genomic makeup, based on their metabolism. And so having technologies that can monitor the drug delivery, the efficacy of that drug on an individual basis is going to be a significant advance for us. Well, I know you worked hand in hand with the FDA. Just talk about uh, what you have to be in at the very beginning stages because obviously those approvals take several years to do. Um, talk about that process and, and when we might see some of this technology sure. um, you know, in the general population. Sure, yeah, so fortunately a lot of the light and the technology we use is very low power. So it's lower power than even out of a laser pointer or an LED. And, uh, and so because of that we can really move our technology to, to uh, clinical studies very early. And so we've demonstrated a lot of these technologies in the, in the operating room, in the primary care office, with our local clinical partners at Carl Foundation Hospital and, and elsewhere. So when we, when we go to then commercialize this technology and seek FDA approval, there's already a lot of information and, and, and studies that have been done that supports those claims. And so we, for our companies, it's been fairly straightforward to get FDA approval. Uh, more importantly also, we get um, reimbursement codes. So we know that once the, a product is really made and people are starting to adapt these and, and use these, they already, uh, it, it's safe, it's FDA approved, they have reimbursement codes that they can get reimbursed for using these for procedures. And now what we need to set up are larger trials across the country and even in Europe and elsewhere to really have thousands of patients uh, take part in studies and just show how effective these technologies really are. Well, you uh, graduated from Illinois, I think, 1990. Um, and I, I'm fascinated with the fact that you could, in that uh, time, you used your electrical engineering degree to really specifically target biomedicine. It's, I've always thought maybe this has been more of a recent uh, within the last mm. decade or so, but uh, you were doing it all the way back then. Just talk about the foresight and where that, uh, where that industry started. And, you know, it, it seems to really have a heavy focus in, in the biomedicine arena. Yeah, sure. I, th I think it's an exciting time. And, and you know, back in the, in the 90s when I was uh, you know, going to school, I started off in electrical engineering, but I quickly was fascinated by, in fact, neurons and the brain and how you know, these little bags of salt and salt water and molecules can have electrical signals and communicate. And that to me was just an interesting connection between electrical engineering and biology. And, uh, and, and that led to uh, imaging and being able to look at, at imaging these changes, imaging cells and tissues, and, and then realizing that we have a lot of, of different technologies that can probe uh, biology and probe medical disease and diagnose disease. And, and that, I think over time just kind of developed that, that natural synergy. Um, and even today, I think we now appreciate even more how technology uh, and advances in technology can lead to new discoveries in biology or new diagnostics for, for medicine and, and surgery. And so again, we're going to just continue to see this grow and our, our development of our a cancer center here at Illinois and our new College of Medicine, that's an engineering technology-based College of Medicine. I think this is just an incredible momentum that we've been building here at Illinois and, and we're really at the forefront of leading these changes. Well, 
great transition because I want to talk a little bit about the Cancer Center a little bit. Um, how have all the research that's going on across campus, how have there's been, been this, the synergy between all of them? Because mm -hmm. you're working on different things, but obviously cancer takes the forefront because uh, 600,000 Americans die every year um, from cancer mm -hmm. and over a million are diagnosed each year from cancer. So I think uh, this is really at the forefront. Can you talk about the synergy between all the research sure. across campus? It was going on anyway, even before the, uh, the cancer center was uh, officially open. Sure, yeah, no, we have an incredible number of faculty and, and staff and researchers and students that are all interested in many different aspects of cancer, all the way from, from the, the tumor biology to the population effects to the effect of cancer on society uh, to technology and imaging technology, diagnostic technology, all of these across you know, many different units across campus. So it's, it was only natural, I think, that uh, you know, Professor Bargav could bring together this cancer center and, and all these, these faculty interested in this. The, together, I think we have something very unique. And, and so the approach for this cancer center is, is one that's a, it's a basic science and technology cancer center. So obviously we're not, uh, you know, having thousands of patients, we're not a big academic medical center in a big city, but what we, the strengths we do have is our technology. Just like for our College of Medicine, we also see this in cancer. And it's the technology that can advance detection, diagnosis, understanding of, of cancer in many new ways. And I think that's where we're going to see the, the greatest strengths. There's always this uh, kind of general find a cure for cancer, but uh, it certainly it's much more complex than that. Uh, how do you see things advancing and um, maybe go into a little bit more detail in your technology as it relates to diagnostics, treatment, mm -hmm. um, and will we see, um, do you foresee a time where um, there is a, a pure cure for cancer? Yeah, yeah, and so many times people ask, you know, what is the cure for cancer? And, and I really like the tagline, well, research cures cancer, right? It's, it's the research that is so essential to being able to understand this, this, this complex, multifaceted disease. And, and when you think about the research that's necessary, you know, there's biological research, there's, again, the population studies, there's the technology research. All these have to come together. Um, in my own particular work, you know, we use technology, we use imaging technology to be able to detect cancer at the very early stages, to be able to understand the mechanisms, the process by which cancer evolves and, and grows. Um, you know, there's certain elements at which technology can have an impact. So technology can really impact on the diagnosis of, of a disease, but perhaps even more importantly is the detection. And so the detection often comes in screening uh, uh, modalities or screening technologies. Some examples are those are x-ray mammography, which is looking for breast cancer, or colonoscopies, looking for early colon cancer. So these are some examples where, again, we're screening uh, the general population, trying to detect cancer you know, at very early stages. I think more technology has to be gone, uh, directed toward those examples. You know, oftentimes we use imaging modalities like MRI or X-ray CT or ultrasound, and we look for masses or tumors that are centimeters in size, or maybe a half a centimeter. But for a tumor, even of that size, it's been there for years. And I think we need the shift to move toward molecular diagnostics, being able to detect early molecular changes, to look at genomics, to be able to assess uh, people that are at greater risk for, for cancer, 
And uh, I think that's what we're going to see in these coming years, this merger of uh, personalized genomic medicine with personalized detection uh, strategies, diagnostics, and we have such a wealth of information uh, that's, that's, you know, abound. And, and, and so the greater challenge then is to how do we make sense of all this information? And that's where I think a lot of the computing, uh, the machine learning, the deep learning or artificial intelligence is going to come into play. No longer will medicine be silos between different disciplines, but truly an integrated approach to detecting disease and treating disease. Well, you mentioned the uh, VMRI, and I know, I think maybe about a year ago, you came up with this technology, the alternative to the MRI, and, and I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, I think MRI has its place for for you know this non-invasive, uh, without the use of ionizing radiation, uh, it's great for whole body type imaging, um, and so I don't think it'll ever be replaced. I think that there's just an incredible technology that can be used in many different ways. Uh, we used uh, different types of, of optical techniques to detect disease at the microscopic scale. Um, one example we use magnetic nanoparticles, which can be used as contrast agents for MRI. But in our case, we use a small little magnet to move them, and then we use optics to detect if, if that movement. So we can use those as contrast agents. Uh, we've also seen how, um, how we can measure the mechanical properties of tissue. And we know that cancer changes the mechanical properties as well. Uh, and finally, they often use these magnetic nanoparticles for magnetic hyperthermia. So if somebody has a tumor, they'll deliver these particles and they'll heat those up and, and, and then the tumor heats up and dies. Um, similarly, we can actually detect and do that type of hyperthermia, but on the microscopic scale. So I think we use optics in a very you know, complementary way to be able to look at tissues and cells at the, at the, the cellular molecular level, whereas MRI and, and CT tend to look at tissues and whole organs and the whole body at a very different scale, but both are really important. You mentioned the research, and, and certainly with the, uh, the new Carl, Carl Illinois College of Medicine, mm -hmm. trying to merge the practicing uh, doctor with the research and develop both. So, I mean, do you see in the future where um, you'll have individuals such as yourself that would be the research, but also it'd be a practicing physician? Yeah, I think that we'll see a lot of interesting uh, events happen in the next 10 years or so, particularly with our College of Medicine. So we know that technology can make such an impact in medicine in so many different ways. And so there's going to be this need for physicians to also adapt and, and learn new technologies and integrate those into their clinical practice. Uh, that's what this College of Medicine is going to do, is to train those compassionate physicians, those caring physicians, but also give them the tools and the knowledge to think about technological solutions to their patients' problems, not just the biological or medical solutions that we might know. Also, I think what's important about this, this uh, College of Medicine is that there's going to be physicians that are trained that also become innovators, that know that this technology can make a big difference in people's lives. And so there are going to be physician innovators or physician entrepreneurs. And maybe they don't practice full-time like their counterparts, but they really have that knowledge of medicine, of the patient experience. They understand what patients are going through, and they're, they're very connected to the medical problems that those patients are facing yet they have technological solutions that can make a big difference. Well, and finally, I want to kind of circle back to what we started with, uh, the doctor's office of the future, as a, 
every one of us is a, is a patient. What, what do we expect that experience to look like? What are some of the questions we need to be starting to ask? Uh, because we know the technology is yeah. out there. And, yeah. um, you know, will those visits be much different in the future because of all this technology? I think they will be very different because, first of all, we have more appreciation of personalized health monitoring. We see, you know, wearable technology that's monitoring our physiological vitals all the time. We've got a wealth of data. Whereas before you would just go to the doctor once a year and get your blood pressure checked. Now we've got blood pressure measurements multiple times per day and we just have more data. So we're going to start to see more of that data be integrated into a, a patient's care. Uh, we also see, and, and what we built this doctor's office around, is this idea of how technology can in, in, be involved in that encounter. We see this, this concept of shared care becoming more important. Patients are much more empowered by information on the internet. They find information about their, their illnesses, on, and they bring that to that patient-doctor encounter. So it becomes more of an opportunity to share information, what the patient knows and learned, what the, the physician knows, and, and to come about a diagnosis and a better understanding of the disease and what that treatment should be. Now also data from genomic information, personalized data is going to play a big role. Right now we don't manage data very well. I mean, so I hear so many stories of, of, of patients going to see their doctor and their doctor ends up typing information into a computer most of the time. We need to have better interfaces where all that data can be assimilated and, and we can return that patient-doctor experience to be a, a very personalized one. Well, Stephen Bopart has been our guest. Uh, we could probably take, break down uh, many of those in the future, and we certainly invite you back for a future podcast. But thank you very much for taking time to talk to us today. Thank you very much, Mike. It was great. I'm Mike Cook. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corpse of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.